0: n-e-t-s-u-i-t-e dot com slash (laughs) w-t-f all right let's do this how are you what the fuckers what the fuck buddies what the fucking ears what the fuck sticks what's happening what the fuckettes how's it going i'm mark maron this is my podcast wtf thank you for listening Today on the show is uh, Alan McDonald. Alan McDonald is a writer. He's a guy I've known for, uh, for many years from the Secret Club. Uh, he's written several books. He wrote uh, years ago, he wrote a, co- a book called Prisoner of X, 20 Years in the Hole at Hustler Magazine. He's also written a book of pieces, uh, memoir pieces mostly, I believe, called Punk Elegies. And his newest book, Now That I Am Gone, A Memoir Beyond Recall. Is written from the point of view of him as a dead guy, that he's dead, but he's one of the dark wizards, and he's uh he's been around a long time, and he was been you know kind of dug in here in Los Angeles through the seventies uh, and the punk scene in the eighties, and I don't know, man, I just it's been a long time coming in terms of me talking to him because we had talked about it years ago, and now uh, he will be here. He will be here for your dark enjoyment, Mister Alan McDonald. Hey. Um, I told you about those UK dates. I'm going to tell you again. I tweeted them out, and now I know that they are selling quite well, so I wanted to make sure that I told you again and pronounce things right. I'll be at the Lowry in Salford, England on April 4th. I'll be at Royal Festival Hall in London, England, April 6th. I'll be at the Rep Theatre in Birmingham, England on April 8th, and I will be, this is an Irish date, not a UK date. I will be in Ireland in Dublin at Vicker Street on April 11th. OK, and for you people who are L.A. bound or L.A. in or live here bound or bounded by. OK, dynasty typewriter dates are coming. February 10th, February 17th, February 24th, March 17th at the uh, Little Dynasty Typewriter Room, which is great. And I'll be at the Wheeler Opera House in Aspen on uh, March 23rd and the Boulder Theater in Boulder on March 24th. All those tour dates are available for you to peruse and link to tickets at wtfpod.com slash tour. Okay, dig it. Uh, Also, quickly, if you're in L.A. tonight, Thursday the 31st there's there 31 days in this thing is that where we're at with this it's yes Thursday the 31st my buddy Sam Lipsight will be reading from his new book Hark here at Skylight Books tonight it's at 7 30 tonight and that's at 1818 North Vermont Avenue all right go go see Sammy okay now addressing other things I know a lot of you are cold out there. I mean, like fucking scary cold, like shit. The steam is freezing as it hisses out of my radiator and falls on the floor while I'm under nine layers of blankets in chicago new york dc wherever the fuck you are i'm sorry you're going through that but uh things are changing climate wise and i just want to reach out again as i usually do to my listeners i just want you to know that heading into the next election cycle if your primary concern isn't the survival of the planet and you choose your personal taxes and just a terrifying fear of 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 brown people as your priorities again i will say you're a shameful, stupid person. Uh, and I think maybe if a few of you are, are still listening and you're in sub-zero temperatures in uh, Minneapolis, far beyond anything like before, maybe you ought to take into consideration these things that uh, maybe the priority should be, hey, can we still live on this rock? Can we? All right, that said, that out of the way, let's get on to important things like the reaction to uh to my statements about Steely Dan. Now I know that I, I was surprised. A I, I, I there are things I talk about on this show that I think are mundane or just part of my life or just weird moments. That's what gets the feedback. That's what get people get worked up about. It's not like after I told you that I turned a corner on Steely Dan that I've spent the last three days non-stop hour after hour listening to steely dan all over and over again i just had a moment it wasn't like i'm like born again dan you know what i mean so i get this type of email this is and now mind you this is because i said i i turned a corner in enjoying or being able to enjoy steely dan subject line you lost me I've been a fan for years and have found your cultural analysis to be interesting and often spot on. I may not always agree, but I follow your logic. Today, you said you had a big revelation regarding Steely Dan. You also put in two commercials before the payoff as to why you changed, which, by the way, was effective because I listened to both. Fine. I get why people like Steely Dan. I just personally have found it boring and sterile and lacking soul. Their music hurts my soul to consume. You turn the corner to the dark side today. And while I will continue listening to your podcast, it's likely most good things that have happened to you in the last few years will go away as a result of this revelation. That makes me sad for you, Dave. Do you think, Dave, do you think that Steely Dan has some sort of dark mystical power to extract something from my my soul and my mind and and also my the 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 sort of the past? Do you think that you 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 feel that I have signed or stepped into some contract with the dark lord? Believe me, I know what those feel like. This didn't feel like this and I and and fuck you Dave for cursing me how dare you curse me you put that in my head most good things that have happened to you in the last few years will go away as a result of this as a result of me enjoying a steely dance song. shame on you dave the curse is upon you dave for throwing around bad mojo like that god damn it but then there were plenty of emails that were like Good for you. Welcome. Yeah, it took me a while to. I'm, you know, I'm not even going to dwell on it. I'm not even going to dwell on it. There's been a couple of interesting <laughs> emails. This one from someone, a woman named Sam, just said, "Marin, Marin, I really hope you figure it out soon. I'm getting tired of listening. Unless you have, and the show is a mirage. Love, Sam. Sam, isn't it all a mirage? Come on. Figure what out? I just figured out that I kind of like the Steely Dan song a little more than I used to and now I've been cursed by a guy named Dave. Cursed? He heaved some bad mojo my way. Sam, I have figured it out. This is a mirage. The mirage is part of figuring it out. Come on, Sam. Come on. Oh, this is a good one. Here we go. Subject line, crowd work. Hey, Mark, listening to the Brad Garrett episode made me remember experiencing some of your crowd work. I saw you in Bloomington last year working out your new stuff. And at one point you got up from the stool, walked to the side of the stage, looked at me and said, how's it going? In that moment, I thought you were asking how I was doing. So I said something along the lines of good. You said, okay, went back to the stool and continued on with the show. It didn't hit me until later that knowing you as I do from the show and your struggle with insecurity, what you were probably more likely asking, was the show good? The answer is still yes. It was a great show and a highlight of 2018 for me. Just wanted to share, and I hope to see you on the road again in the future. Jake, Jake, I gotta be honest with you. The way you describe that, I know exactly what those moments are for me on stage. I don't know if you were at that show alone or you were sitting with people or either way, you were probably sitting very close to the stage and I probably looked at you a couple of times and you weren't laughing and or I thought you might be a scary person. Like you might be like not only not laughing, but maybe ready to pounce or shoot or, or, or I'd sense something that rubbed you the wrong way or you weren't paying attention. But usually it's me disarming what I perceive to be a threat of some kind. So I don't know if you look scary or maybe you're you a very intense person. But usually if I'm checking in like that, it's literally to make sure that, uh, that you're not a, a scary or mad person. Mad m- meaning crazy or mad mad. So... You weren't quite right, but you were a little right. It was a little bit about insecurity, either because you weren't laughing or because you you might uh, you might kill me. OK, now let's let's do a heavier email since we're in it. Your help with my opiate addiction. Mark, I want to keep this short and sweet. I know you're a busy man. I've been a heroin addict since I was 20 and I am. 29 now and I've been an avid listener for about a year now. Around the time I decided to get on methadone and put down the needle. I listen to your conversations almost every day on the way to the clinic. I'm recently divorced and decided to kick the methadone cold turkey and I'm certain I couldn't be doing this without your talks. It keeps my mind off this demon I have on my back for the rest of my life. I feel a kindred spirit in you in some ways. You with your own addiction issues and your love of nicotine and caffeine. Basically thank you. Keep doing what you're doing. You help people every day more than you may know. Thanks, Mark with a C. Sincerely, your fan, Al. Al! God damn it. Try to stay off it, man. Try to stay off it, buddy. I know it's hard. It's a fucking hard one. God damn it. I'm glad to help out. Seriously. Glad to help out. Now, on an unrelated note, I got two emails about... My street light, the new street light. I talked to you guys about the street light on the street that they put up because there were people hanging around under the street light in their cars. I would never have thought about this, but I got too related. So here we go. Um, street light. And in parentheses, lurkers. Hey, Mark, just a heads up that you should find out if that shady area slash street happens to have a Pokemon gym and or poke stop nearby. As an avid player of the popular GPS based Pokemon game, I've been that suspicious person and had to explain myself a time or two. I've even had an angry older gentleman explain to me that if he sees any of these things, imaginary cartoon pocket monsters in his yard they would get the business end of his 12 gauge so i try to keep my habit only in public spaces parks and such because i am now aware that playing the game can create a side effect of creepiness in residential areas the shotgun incident happened in my own neighborhood at the opposite end of the street that i live on but unfortunately there are a lot of players who give us all a bad name with a slew of bad manners slash habits some even worse than the one which might be happening in your neighborhood anyway If you install the app on your iPhone or Android device yourself, you could figure it out pretty quickly. Otherwise, look for your nearest neighborhood teenage slash 20-something. They will most likely know. Thanks, Matt. Matt, I see what you're doing with this. I see what you're doing with this. Earlier, I had Dave cursing me because of my Steely Dan uh, shift, and now you're trying to suck me into the world of Pokemon. I know what you're doing. I know. Hey, man, if you want to know, just download the app. And then there, there, then I'm one of those guys, wandering around, going in circles on corners. I get it. I, you know, I'm no dummy. I wasn't bo- I wasn't born yesterday. Here's the other one, though. People parking. Hi, Mark. In the Brad Garrett episode, you mentioned mysterious people parked in cars down your street. I had the same issue about a year ago, and after seeing some of them get out of their cars and wander around. While looking at their cell phones, I started thinking maybe this is a Pokemon Go hotspot. A couple of days after I had this thought, I was out for a bike ride. I saw two guys in their late twenties walking around that area, so I asked them if this was a Pokemon Go hotspot. Yeah, it is. They confirmed my suspicion. I told them I thought they were either selling dope or catching Pokemon. We all had a good laugh. Then I bought some pot from them. Just kidding. There are still cars parked regularly down my street. Who knows? Maybe you are living next to a Pokemon Go hotspot. Ask a gamer to check it out for you. Sincerely, Mitch. So this is a better way to go. Now I just have to find a gamer. Like I got a feeling that on my street, there wasn't those guys. They seemed older. There There were definitely women sometimes in the cars and they were leaving drug paraphernalia on the street. Now, unless the monsters are druggies and that's what happens when you play Pokemon, I don't know. I don't but uh, i appreciate that the idea that maybe that's what's going on maybe it is i do not know so this brings us to our guest right alan mcdonald as i said earlier is a guy i know he's written a few books but he's a guy i wanted to talk to because he's he's lived one of those lives sort of in the shadows of punk rock and uh, cdla and i don't get a i don't get a lot of uh, the history of L.A. trip from that point of view. I've had a few musicians on that come from that. But Alan was really there through all of it in this approach to memoir, which is uh, his new one, which is Now That I'm Gone. A memoir beyond recall is available wherever you get books. As I said, he's also the uh, author of Prisoner of X, 20 Years in the Hole at, at Huswer Magazine and Punk Elegies, True Tales of Death Trip Kids, Wrongful Sex and Trial by Angel Dust. But that being said... Uh, because of our familiarity with each other and because i i like the guy we were able to sort of jump right into it man jump right into it like a couple of members of the secret society are able to jump right into it because we got a shorthand man an emotional psychological storytelling shorthand with each other and uh so this is me talking to alan Podcasts. How many records do you have?
1: Yeah, I haven't counted them. I,
0: like about,
1: about thousands. I'm thousands. pretty sure I have thousands. I had a, a period uh, about nine years ago when I had kind of a mental breakdown. Yeah, and I just I got I, I got rid of like two two thousand records.
0: What'd you do with them?
1: I gave them away, I sold some and I traded some for other records I wanted more. But my feeling was I wanted to yeah. be more mobile. Yeah. And I had this giant wall and I have these cupboards upstairs all full of records. And I thought, well if I get rid of this portion of them then yeah. I can be more mobile with this whole which yeah. is which is absurd. Of Ridiculous. Course. Yeah.
0: Now do you regret it? You regret it? I
1: regret certain records. Like what? Uh there's like, uh, like some reissues that I had. Like, I had these Miles Davis reissues. Oh, yeah. And I had these John Coltrane reissues. Yeah. And I had these Eric Dolphy reissues. Oh, and yeah. And I thought, well, they're just reissues.
0: Right. And you miss them now. Yeah,
1: now I miss them. And but, then, but I also, I, there are some records I thought, why did I get rid of that? And now that there's Spotify, I can play that record. And I go, oh, I see. And yeah. I, you know, so I'm not so.
0: It's weird when you get into the vinyl thing where, where like, you, I don't want to listen to it any other way now. Like I mean, I like I can listen in my car and stuff, but when I'm home, I'm gonna like I'm just gonna put the vinyl on. I do believe you can tell a difference.
1: I think you can too. But if you have people over, like you're having a party or yeah. something, like I yeah, had a New yeah, Year's yeah, Eve yeah, where yeah, I would yeah. play a side, album, sure. a side of an album, side of an album, side of an album. Then you got to be on
0: top of that all yeah. night. So what have you been doing, man? I haven't seen you in a while. I mean, we have a. Yeah, I read. Um, I read a bunch of punk elegies. I read. Uh, I read a bunch of the new book. I I could. I didn't have time to get through both of them. Is that gonna be a problem?
1: No, not to me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm <laughs> so going to, I feel you may, I'm going I, feel, to. I know you read the first one, you read the first one all the way through uh-huh. and then I, you, I was on air America with you yeah. and we talked about it. it Which one the hustler? The hustler one. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I like, that was a while back uh, though. That we was were, like 12 years. That was like 2006 or something. Holy fuck. Was that out here? It was out here. It was on like, the valley. It was in the valley. That was.
0: That's where. Like I had. That's. I have PTSD about that whole period. Yeah, I bet you do. Because. Well, I, yeah. What, what
1: I remember what I remember the most. Yeah. Was one. I was over, and that, plus it's live radio. Yeah. So I was like worried. Like I have to say something now. I have at, to 10 say at, something now.
0: at ten at night. At ten at night. We were like it was late at night. It was like they put me in this weird placeholder situation where I had to wait around if there was a Clippers game on because they you know, had, yeah yeah I had to for wait, wait till it was over
1: yeah wait for overtime you just right yeah yeah but like lot. but when I came out Maria Bamford was outside waiting to t- go in or something yeah and I was like so like s- sort of starstruck yeah so <laughs> you knew she was back then yeah 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 because of the TV she was on some there was some sort of TV show. you were on some show as well was I. A comedy thing. It was some kind of comedy, sort of panel talk thing. Oh yeah, yeah, would yeah. Be on there uh, occasionally. Guests, yeah, yeah, guests. yeah. Right. And maybe that's where I'd seen her as well. Yeah. But she was funny. You know, she was she if she appealed to something about me. Oh no, I that love. That I had her. in common with her. So yeah, I, I love
0: her. her. I mean, there's something about the 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 sort of like. Um, there's nobody like her, and then she can access the, the the sort of emotional insanity that some of us experience, and it just speaks directly to us. Whereas other people think like, "I don't get it," yeah, you know, it, but I get it exactly. It's
1: not exactly universal, but it is kind of a, a widespread. Yeah, like, like a, there's a disquiet that people are now realizing that that's because of the political situation. People are realizing there's this disquiet in, yeah. in, in society in being somewhat of an other. Yeah, and she had that from there. Yeah, from there, and that's I, I kind of had that earlier. So
0: she was always another that's the weird thing about reading the older books i mean the huskware book what is that called again uh prisoner of x prisoner of x that's right but the i, I hadn't read the the punk elegies one and it, it's like once you start reading it and i, I know you a bit and i've known you a bit for for years but then i got a picture you like kind of sweaty and you and know raw and fucked up like way back in, I, and i deluded very
1: deluded yes Yeah, incredible. Like, I I would just fall for everything. Anything. Like, it it was. Oh, you mean you were a sucker? I was a sucker. I I like this certain image. I thought, oh, this is going to change my life. This is going to make so much better. You know, like. like, I know, but you were there at the cusp of something. Like, there's something. That was exciting.
0: Yeah, but there's something about Los Angeles that I can't wrap my brain around. I realized coming back, I was in New York for three weeks, and I was coming back, and I was driving in from the airport, and I'm like, I got no fucking love for this city. And then when I read. I I, well, I didn't yeah. come up here you know and yeah. when I read your book I'm like these are the people that love this city because I do it, love this city because this city used to be like if you have a handle on it and you like knew, know the nooks and crannies and you sweat it out in this city for 40, 50 years or your whole life Yeah, I mean it. it it's I've
1: la- been here since I was 8 years old that, you came
0: from canada yeah
1: from canada from the west coast of canada so if I, west coast my whole life right but this city like the traffic and the parking will kill you like the traffic right. and the parking the only times i really hate this city yeah. is when i'm looking for a parking spot yeah. or i'm like battling traffic right but i feel like this city is like it draws oddballs like there's still a lot of oddballs here like people come here to become famous in certain different ways that's right but they come in as different kind of oddballs so it's yeah. like, New York to me, like the last few times I've been in New York, it's very conform. Like now, there's such yeah. a th- yeah now, like there's so much conformity there. It's yeah, like, where the smartest people come to the smartest people where the, the smartest people are in the smartest place.
0: I know, but is it like I, I was working around? I mean, I don't even know if that's the case anymore. Everybody... No, it's just
1: everybody's a millionaire. It's just every, here I am. I'm a millionaire, and I'm going to dress like this million. And it's yeah. sort of the the very uniform kind of yeah. dress code, right. And it used to be you would go to New York, like in the early '80s, or the like. I first time I went, it was the late '70s, yeah. and it was oddballs. Yeah, you know, oh no, it,
0: down it, the Lower East Side. Yeah, all I, over the place. I went to that. I went to see this new Warhol show, and uh, it was actually great. Uh, You know, and I've seen a lot of that stuff and I thought I've seen it all, but they curated something at the Whitney and pulled together some Mm -hmm. stuff that, that just, it was just beautifully put together and there was stuff I'd never seen before, but they had this video running of the factory. One of those kind of like dancing kind of velvet underground. And I was looking at these people and the, and just the hair and the sweat and the the freedom of it, that these eras that, that you live through in the seventies, but in the sixties, like there were. People tried to reproduce them all the time, but there's no, there's nothing like being at the source of that, and that'll never. It's not so much you. It'll never
1: happen again. Something different may happen again, but this particular thing know, you man. can't
0: reproduce it. But it was so human and sweaty and full yeah. of fluids and goo and, and drugs a and, and a
1: certain kind of hope. Like you really thought things were like riding the, start the line. Of the punk of, rock, right. You've uh, everybody really thought things were gonna change. Like, like but, we, uh, we all thought we were gonna become millionaires. But like this is part of the That was deal. what you were gunning for back then? Yeah, well not necessarily gunning for, but you just figured it was inevitable. How old Because are you were so far ahead. How uh, old am I now? Yeah. I'm 62 now.
0: I'm 55. So, so you're like
1: seven years back.
0: But so you were really in it. Yeah. Like, cause, yeah. Cause,
1: I was, I'm the I'm the same age as like like the Sex Pistols and the guy from Joy Division who killed himself. Like that age. Like that year.
0: I tell you, man, In all your writing, there's always somebody's about to kill themselves. <laughs> a, somewhere in the corner, someone's <laughs> hanging from a rope.
1: I have this my generation was like a mess. <laughs> I because we're right after the 60s people. Yeah. So we have all the drugs, all the. Uh,
0: well, let's go back though. So you come from, you go to, you come down from Canada. Eight years old. And what you were in Vancouver, but you have any recollection of that, or you? Oh do? yeah, yeah, I have a lot. Well, of... you wrote a bit in the new book. The new book structure very interesting for, to me because uh, you call it a memoir, but so in, in the way you framed the first part of the book, you know, uh, which was broken up in little. Bits and pieces of your past—is mm-hmm. that sort of your life flashing before your
1: eyes? Fairly, for, yeah. There's a chapter called "My Life Flashing Before My Eyes," and then there's also like my introduction to death, like the first time I learned. Well, about I saw that too, but
0: like those bits and pieces, I didn't know the title heading. But yeah, and then all of a sudden, you're dead, and then also my dead. and now you're looking at your your wife and her friends and your friends and how they're moving through your your absence.
1: Yeah, how, how they carry forward without me. How, how does how do you how do you like
0: why do you call that a memoir?
1: Well, because like. I, they call it a memoir, like mm-hmm. they like that falls under memoir. And part of what I want to do is I want to illustrate that whether every memoir is in fact got an aspect of fiction,
0: because uh-huh. once, yeah. once
1: you make yourself the the hero of the story, yeah. once you make yourself the protagonist, yeah. it's fiction, right? You know, whether you're talking at a bar to somebody else, whether you're on stage, you right. know, giving a spiel, whatever, sure. it's fictionalized, of course. And so this one is like half of like like there was a review. This review said, you know, it's going to be it's some something about how. It's hard to it's hard to judge the veracity of parts of this book. Veracity, meaning, meaning the parts when the narrator is dead, right? <laughs> they they want to judge the veracity of yeah. like, oh, my dog. This is this is this is being narrated by my dog, and they want to judge the veracity of my dog's narration. How does that? How do you? How do you? How do you? How are you qualified to write a review if you if you're going to judge the veracity? My yeah, dog's you, if you have trouble point of view. Judging the veracity of my dog's point of view. So you they shifted just, the point of view. Here and there, yeah. Because
0: like, at the beginning, it was sort of like there was an omniscient point of view. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, you're talking. Yeah. So then we go to the dog. Did you write it like the sound and the fury? Was it just colors and the smells and sounds? No, he's, he's a pretty
1: <laughs> aware dog. Okay. He's a pretty aware dog. <laughs> and he has a giant penis. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's named Bulger. Oh, yeah. And, and he's, he's, he's a good dog. He's and these good,
0: are your real dogs.
1: Uh Kind of? My dogs don't actually talk. You yeah. know, they—they. They, they, no, I, but I mean, that, are
0: those the names of your dogs? No, no, uh-huh. my
1: dogs are called Tippy and and uh, Casper.
0: And you changed the name of your wife, who I know.
1: I changed the name and also a lot of details because it does because of the fact that it is so fictionalized. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the same, she has not read it, and she's not been able to read it, and she like Teresa, I, right? Yeah, yeah, and she she, she won't w- recommend it. <laughs> she,
0: I find that happens with a lot of writers I know, even writers of fiction. Mm. Uh, I recently talked to my buddy Sam, and his wife is is not not thrilled about the new book, and it's like it's so it's so not offensive, but people, you, you know, they. They think about themselves, so they're going to take it personally. You, yeah. Well, also
1: you worry what someone else might think about it, like mm-hmm. like not necessarily. Or you or like are they, like they going to look at knows. you
0: weird? Like you, your friends are going to read it, or family,
1: or family, or somebody they're going to read it and go, "Oh, this is what he really thinks of you." When it's not what I think of any of these people. Like does like, she know
0: that? Yes, she, does she knows. Know? That. Oh, good. Yeah. But
1: everybody I know knows that. Like like if there's a character and it has like that, the, there's maybe there's some characteristics that are. So, Akin to someone I know. Yeah, that's his skin. Yeah, and all the the, the motivations and the various failings. Those are mine.
0: Yeah, it's, right, I, right.
1: Those are all. It's populated with my projection. Yeah, my faults. My yeah. whatever. You know. Yeah,
0: and also how you see those people, uh, or
1: you know, I I, I stop seeing once I'm writing. Yeah, I stop seeing them once I do the physical description. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. It's not them anymore. No, it's, I have this physical description. And then basically everything that fills it out, I've realized now, it's just overflow of my own, like, kind of neuroses, yeah. or my own like projections, or what I would be like if I was in this situation. Yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting that, that like I realize that it, it, framing it as a memoir makes sense it, outside of the fictionalization of what's happening after you die. When you start exploring these characters, what if, if they are real? You are doing a lot of like past because you can build these characters out from the point after you know of the present when you're dead. But it, as soon as you go back, then you're dealing. In a sort of somewhat reality frame,
1: in a way. But I have like a like the wife in the book. There's yeah. this, there's this uh, circle of friends around her. Yeah. And none of those people really behave in a way that that if people go, oh look, that looks like me. Yeah. That the people who it might yeah. look like ha- have behaved in the past. Right. The, this it's totally like even the past is like like like, like it's my well like, you actually like, went my out my your,
0: you went out of your way to have one of the characters that you renamed in Punk Elegies appear in the new book, and she kept the name that you gave her in Punk Elegies.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Was she a real person? She is a real person, and she is uh, a bit of a composite. She's more than one real person.
0: Right. Because I know, I know some of the people you know, so I'm, I'm you know kind of bending my brain to- <laughs>
1: Well, some of the people, like like the, in the punk allergies, like there's this guy, Black Randy. Black Randy's a real human being, you know. There's a, a, there's a Joe Strummer, there's an incident with Joe Strummer at the Roxy. That, yeah. that actually happened. Sure. You can find that. There's, and the guys
0: from Slash Magazine, those are real guys. Yes, yeah. yes. But okay, so going back, so from Vancouver, which I think is like one of the greatest cities in the world... Uh, you know, you come down here. Do you ever go back up to Canada? Do you have people in Canada?
1: Uh, well, they're all dying off. But yeah, my sister moved back. My one of my brothers moved back. We used to go back every year. The last time I went back was probably about four years ago with my wife. We went to Vancouver Island. Yeah. We went up to uh, pretty right. It's really pretty. We went up to this this place up in the kind of the north of the island. Was, Did was really it Tofina? Gorgeous. Tofino, it was Tofino. Yeah. Yeah. Tofino, I yeah. want to go there, man. They have a hot spring, so if you I know, take this sort boat to this hot springs. You got to fly a little plane up there. You could. Fly. I flew. We flew the little plane back. We took yeah. the boat to and flew the little plane back. Is there. it great? The water plane. It's amazing. It's amazing.
0: Okay. But you think you could have appreciated it when you were twenty?
1: Uh yeah, in a way, because I used to like to go out into nature and smoke weed. Yeah. When, well, well, maybe when I was like fifteen, more than when I was twenty. But yeah. So but we went up there. Also, we visited my dad because my dad was in a um, nursing home. In a place called Ladysmith on uh, Vancouver Island. And then in this book, the, Now That I'm Gone, there's this, this section that's the people that have stayed behind me. Yeah. And it's like my dad and my wife's mom. Yeah. And my wife's mom lived with us for probably like eight to ten years after she got dementia. Yeah. And so it's like those two characters, my dad in this nursing home after he'd had like these strokes. And yeah. All, so it's like, you know, it's, the, it's as far out as you're going to get while you're alive. Yeah. It's like the, the far end of life, of consciousness and then interacting with me and then but now that i and it's told kind of from the perspective of this narrator who's you know departed yeah so well, I, it I, I feels like it at some... the
0: beginning when i'm reading it cuz like i'm 55 but it it feels like that you know the way you think about death and the way you experience it and what you've experienced of it as you know you've moved through the circles you've moved through it's kind of pressing yeah, you know, but you're I, like I feel a wrangling with the reality of it.
1: That's the way it goes. because because with my you know ch- whatever textured past like there's been people dying since I was a kid since I sure. was 16, and then a lot in the punk thing. But now it's like uh, it's 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 not it's not suicide and it's not drug overdoses. It's just natural causes. Yeah, and it's, it's I was saying that pretty much exactly what you said recently is. Um, death is no longer a theory. Like right. is, it's, it's like it's a reality that you kind of, you grow into this reality and it becomes like, like I've always thought about death. I've been kind of, I don't know if I'm morbid, but it becomes like this uh, part of the, the, your living process yeah. is this awareness that people are dropping all over. Well, yeah. Like I people, mean, I, someone connects with me on Facebook from high school. Yeah. Two years later, he's gone. It's yeah, really I know. I've
0: seen a lot of people go to uh, you're, not, you're not. I mean, kind of natural causes, but you know, when they're natural and you're not sixty yet, they're dubious natural causes, right? right? right you know what I mean. Right. But but you, you sort of said something at the beginning of the book about how it's just always there. Like I've always intellectually dealt with it, and I've had a fear of it. Mm-hmm. But I had I you know only rarely have I had a terror of it. Right. Like you know because you try to intellectualize it. Like yeah. you know I know it's yeah. going to happen. And but if you really sit there and think about it, which I think you do in, in some points in the book. Like if you're just laying there in bed and you really put yourself. You know, in the plate, like I, you know, most nights I go to sleep wondering, like, is this it? <laughs> is this, <you> know, <laughs> that, that's how I put myself to sleep.
1: I don't really have a terror of it, though. I, no, I, I didn't kind of, feel that, yeah. but
0: like you say, that it's after a certain age, it's just always there. Yeah, it's it, always lingering, like right there.
1: It's ling- and then they also like it kind of forces you into your life. Yeah, because it because. It's not that you you live harder to shut it out. It's just like, you, well, you, you, why waste a moment? Why waste up? Like,
0: but do you do you really do that? I mean, do you think that way? To some extent,
1: I believe I, I. I don't think I don't. You know, sit down and tell myself I give myself a little pep talk, saying you know you need to look. Yeah. You you, know, you only got so many here. moments. Yeah, yeah, go out. But it, if it is, I can I can I can recognize it. I can see it. Like like I don't hold a grudge as much as my wife maybe you know i hope i don't just jinx myself but but i don't i don't want to ruin my day i don't want to ruin an hour
0: i don't think you can uh, jinx yourself you have a certain amount of control over holding a grudge <laughs> <laughs> it's not but,
1: like but no but something can happen that i'll, I'll go back to i'll, 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 I'll go back i'll, I'll revert. revert
0: yeah i'll revert back to yeah. i don't want to revert yeah i i find that if i hold a grudge now after being sober as long as i have that uh it's 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 just the way it's going to be. Yeah, There's not many yeah, of them, and yeah. they're not—they're not that active. Yeah. But if you—if you let me think about it for a minute, I'll be like, "No, oh, yeah." Yeah. But oh, it's yeah.
1: good. Like one way to deal with it, I heard very early in my sobriety, is just like uh, that person. Just make sure that person ceases to exist for you
0: right yeah. it's like, okay, Det-
1: okay.
0: detach with malice yeah, deta-
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for-
0: yeah detach with erasure yeah well yeah but there was some other thing that the other th- sad thing and I think it's something i share with you in terms of thinking that like you, there was a moment in the book after you die where somebody said like he was just just getting happy he yeah. just, just starting to <laughs> he was just starting to get the he, hang of it he
1: looked like he might turn around like <laughs> things might come together but that's another thing about when you get to this certain age and people are dropping off yeah it's like you make that turn you got to make that turn. You,
0: you know, know, what's also great is that you can see the uh, evolution and and the, the sort of um, you write uh, you know more confidently with more space. You write differently, more poetically between you know elegies in this book. There's definitely something more thoughtful. There there are spaces that weren't there before.
1: Maybe yeah. I mean, I I feel like. Um, I, every time I finish something, I think, "Wow, this—I've really—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm almost got it. I'm getting—you know—I've almost got it. Like, there's yeah. a, a bit of an improvement. And then I look back a little later, and I like—I see everything where I feel like, like i like—I fell a little short. But I'm pretty happy with it. I'm pretty happy with the way it came out and the different thing because because a lot of the things I'm trying to express there, like they, they can come off as really like, like self-pitying and maudlin and, and yeah, I don't know, and, and I don't want to do that. Like I'm trying not to. I'm, so I'm like very conscious of trying to communicate something. Without being uh, like uh, a bummer, well, yeah, I don't want the book to be a bummer.
0: Well, you know, it's weird. You do, you know, because I don't know you that well. That you know, and what I know of you, and you know, what I've known of you for the last you know fifteen years or whatever, is just you know passing moments and physicality. You right. know, so like I'm just inserting a younger you into these tones, and and I it, it never I never felt maybe a little maudlin, but it, I guess it, it, to me. You know, there's that weird thing where it's sort of like, are we being objective or or like, I I mean, because there are people that like don't think about this shit and I don't really understand them. I I, I sometimes wish I were them. And as I get older, some of the stuff that used to plague me or or Mm. consume me just faded away. Yeah.
1: But I still think that- like the more outside stuff, right? Like more- Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I like mean- other it, people's it, opinions. Other, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like the, the sort of basic nature of like, why are we here? You know, what what is this struggle worth? Like when I see really old people just kind of like, you know, trying to get down the street, I'm like, that doesn't seem like a, <laughs> the big payoff that we're <laughs> no. waiting
1: for. You know what I mean? Like, It's but, like- well, But there's got to be something else going on too. There's a strange thing with, with really old people is- uh, like, their history gets erased. Like, when you look at them, you, you don't see their history at all. Yeah. I mean, you don't see what they've been. You don't see, it like, if they were in World War II. You don't see...
0: But you dealt with someone with dementia. I mean, I guess I've been... I don't want to use the word blessed because it's not really blessed. I've been uh, spared. You know, both my parents are still alive. You, you know, I've i i I've, I've been, you know, you know fortunate in my life, uh, health-wise, relatively speaking, up to this point. But, I mean, I, I know in the book... You certainly, I've lost people I know... But to deal with somebody with Alzheimer's for a decade, I mean, it's got to be just relentless and horrifying.
1: In a way, except that she it was such a sweet person. Yeah. Like, like you see a lot, you know, there's a lot of people who so get really a, angry. So there's a
0: repetition of sweetness? <laughs> yeah. She, oh, well, okay,
1: okay, here it is. Here, yeah. I'll give you an example. Christmas morning, right? I like, mm-hmm. go, hey, Eva, Merry Christmas. She goes, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. Merry Christmas. Oh, she gets really happy. Fifteen minutes later, I go in. Forget. Hey. Merry Christmas, Eve. She goes, it's Christmas. She gets so happy. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of like like that's like one day. You're you just sort of like, like
0: giving her a hit. You could she, just do it all day you long. You could do it all
1: day long. And, but also, like, her core was really kind of like a, a sweet right. person.
0: So she didn't become menacing she or weak. She didn't become menacing. Oh, she didn't
1: become all angry or resentful. And then I think she also, she was so appreciative of her daughter mm. and that her daughter brought her in and was taking care of her. Like, like, she was very, she had, like, this sort of core gratitude as yeah. well that kind of like it helped and it It, stayed there it stayed there oh that's great it stayed there it's there still she's in Montrose right now and she's in a place in Montrose oh yeah and it's still there
0: so where in in Los Angeles did you grow up
1: Uh, we grew up out in uh, what do you call it San Gabriel Valley yeah like uh Cavina, West Covina. Oh
0: yeah, and and like I wasn't crazy about it. Well, the, the way you capture in the book, just because I I don't you know I don't know those areas and I don't live those areas, just the the weird sort of sparse suburban nature of it. I mean that that's really where the the L A kind of you know punk aesthetic sort of got pulled out of, right? In
1: some degrees, yeah. But there was no imagination out there, like like because I'm talking about the East valley, valley to the East, yeah. Like the Valley to the North and the West, like a lot of people there. Their parents worked in the movie industry or the right. entertainment. Maybe yeah. they were just gaffers or whatever. Right. They worked in costuming or. But, but they
0: were start. They were part of the dream saw, factory. Yeah, they saw
1: there was this bigger yeah. world where, yeah. where I was from. They didn't even have that. It was what was out there? Nothing. There were the real estate offices. <laughs> you know, uh, what do you call it? Mortgage company. I don't know. Just nothing really. Yeah. A lot of smog because it had this inversion layer. A lot of smog. Not much What did your dad do? He sold real estate. He sold houses. My mom worked at a um, at a retail store. Like so
0: a, when did you, so you were just out there with the end like listening to townie music well, I, well I, was, I guess you were it was early enough to where that at least the music that was mainstream or consolidated you were there for like just post the the birth of the new shit Twice, well, I guess. Yeah,
1: well, I liked a lot of you know, like Bowie and Roxy music, and T-Rats. but before
0: that, I imagine when you were a kid, because when I was a kid, so you're. Well, a kid. I had
1: this stuff. Yeah, I had like that, um like the proto punk kind of, like the Electric Prunes and the Standells and the Rolling Stones Yeah, because like the Beatles what? when they're both fantastic. Right, like Kings in '69. How
0: old are you? Like I'm six I'm 13. So I'm like, 13. so that's all getting planted in. Oh a, yeah, you know. my
1: my hormone, my test, whatever. Yeah. It's all going crazy. Yeah, and, and then that you music get the Beatles. You crazy. get the '60s. Yes. Yeah,
0: and you don't have older brothers or older siblings.
1: I had an older sister, but she was more um, scholarly.
0: Oh, so she didn't have huh? the records necessary no, 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 to get no, you no. through.
1: Well, even then, it was radio. Like the, yeah. radio, the AM radio was was. When you at that time, you know you got like Paint It Black would come on. Yeah, Paint It Black at that age, Oops. blasting out of your little transistor radio, it's very you know, crazy. It's it, well, it just makes you feel great.
0: But so that's going into you when you're 13. So
1: then you were actually... also I'm reading. Yeah, like I'm reading because I started reading really early. I started reading like I was reading Dickens when I was like maybe 11. Like I read uh, Oliver Twist which is not like a like it's it's not a it's a trigger warning book yeah. I mean like kids get hanged kids get hanged and as kids get hanged other kids go and pick pockets of the people spectating <laughs> at the hanging you know it's like
0: yeah Dickens was some dirty shit in he way. was great yeah. it, he
1: also he, it like validated my because I had the suspicion that the people in authority yeah were kind of full of shit and yeah. that they they didn't really necessarily have my best interest at 13 yes. Yeah. yes and you weren't uh, brought uh, up
0: with any religion really catholic you were catholic yeah well yeah. at least it's a, a rich tradition of weirdness
1: well catholic is weird well it's like you reach this point uh, a lot of catholics do where you reach this point is like who are these people to tell me what it what is what is what you know Why, how I, do they know more than i know how I, do, they, they don't and you reach this kind of point where it's sort of like good and evil yeah. right and wrong like you know they exist yeah but it's not necessary for someone else to tell you what they are it's it's a yeah. I mean, the mafia is very catholic and look yeah. what they do
0: well, yeah, well, they are actually very Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Like, no, I get and it. And they execute
1: know. because they, you know, it's like, you can't tell me. They have an incredible ability to compartmentalize, Alan. <laughs> <isn't>? <laughs> Maybe there's some of that. But I feel like I <laughs> I, I integrated. <laughs> I didn't compartmentalize, I integrated it all. Well, that's why I've but been, I, feel I had I feel like it had a great effect on this whole Catholicism thing. Yeah. Like, it kind of like, I feel like it did get so, I mean, I know there's a whatever, but I, I feel like it did get kind of a moral code. Like there's sort of like this this uh, what do you call it? Uh, honor culture? The yeah. whole honor culture. Thing. Honor culture, yeah. A lot of honor culture people are Catholic. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's sort of like a moral code. And if you Why violate do you think that the code, is? Well, because if you violate the code. You know you're in hell. You're you're, you're, in hell. you're yeah. Da- yeah you, you're so gonna even,
0: get hell. So, so even if you like if you don't buy that shit anymore, the, the system still, that was put in place, yeah. you know, within yeah. your w- yeah. little world, I, yeah, I get that. Yes. I, I actually have become sort of like mildly obsessed with the uh, the the logic and the intent of the seven deadly sins. Like Ian, to me, you know, I've just become fascinated with the idea because I, I once talked to Christopher Hedges, and and he said to me, he said that you know they they weren't put there as a roadmap to perfection. They were put there as a barometer for your for your behavior like yeah. there was never yeah. any idea that you were going to nail this shit yeah. no, but, they're, but they're they're here's like the guardrails well yeah exactly but how did they pick those fucking seven they're so solid man you know like it's like it's not that you're ever going to get rid of all those but you know you know the, the the shit you're supposed to keep in check because any one of them or a
1: mixture of them once they get a hand you're you're fucked. gone you're gone you're 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 in the, either the spiral or the straight out slide yeah, with or without hell i they mean i'm not even ripped. a hell guy you, no no cuz hell's like live hell's what you do to yourself hell's what happens <laughs> hell is to alive. you because of what you fucking did we were in it yeah, yeah. if you if you're in hell it's, it's right there with you, you know, yeah it's not it's not waiting for you in some distant place no,
0: or else you get sucked into some other one's hell somebody else's hell yeah. on a personal level a cultural level a political level a national level i mean you're there's all there's plenty of hells man yeah
1: but i believe like 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 the the seven deadly sins that was really well thought out. Like, I don't know if it was done by committee, or if it was one fucking like, you know, really visionary. It's it's there. They're it's but, beautiful, it's, yeah. and it's like you know
0: that and the Ten Commandments is like this is how society exists, and this is how individuals don't destroy themselves. Yeah, yeah. Here you go. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. it's crazy. you could be okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Handle, you know, deal with yeah, this. Yeah. You could be okay, and then yeah. maybe like the like the four absolutes. What are they? That's a, you behave with honesty, purity, unselfishness, and love. Oh yeah, I, mean, I think I have should, that. So little. layer that on top. I used to I used to go to work and I would I work at Hustler. Yeah. And I would put H P U L on top of my my little calendar every every morning just to like to
0: the four absolutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep you in check. Just
1: to you know. Just not to the know. seven
0: deadly sins. Just those that you, yeah, don't want, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you don't want. No, you don't want to feel I'm guilty. Kind of, I'm Kind
1: of dealing with those. I'm kind of making some. De- <laughs> I'm making my money off of those. <laughs> but this other thing, perhaps I'll you know, I'll work with it.
0: It's not on you, man. Yeah. yeah, you put it out in the world. <laughs> so okay, so you're growing up out there, and, and then so you're 13, and you you get your mind blown by that music,
1: and also the things I'm reading. Dickens, and then like like uh, I got Kerouac pretty early. I got Burroughs sure, pretty yeah. early. Like I dug. I somehow like I
0: Burroughs. You got to keep going back to man. Yeah, like, you know, it's just like you're in a mire of like you you, you know it's a, a lot, and you know that like you know everything's in there, but you know sorting it out is no easy game.
1: Naked Lounge was on a rem, It was on a cutout table at Pickwick Books, and I got my mother to buy it yeah.
0: for me. Oh, she didn't know.
1: Yeah, she didn't. Know, she bought me that, and she bought me the Essential Lenny Bruce on the same day. That's and great. It's the Essential Lenny Bruce is just the paperback. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, those
0: are great. Yeah. the Naked Lunch paperback too, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, the Naked Lunch was a hardback. Oh yeah. Yeah, Grove Press hardback, which got stolen from me at the Canterbury when I was a punk rocker. But uh, the Lenny Bruce it was just it was his bits, all his routines. No, I know. Yeah, just, it's it was
0: great. Really. Sick. Yeah, I, I have. And a, again, I,
1: that was like Dickens. That was like a Dickens thing because it. Validates, they were kind
0: of rich like that, you know. Even, well,
1: it validates your perception that 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 what I'm being presented with by you know the authority. The media, right. whatever, is not necessarily right. What's really happening in my life and the lives of people that I can see around me. You know, that's
0: right. That's so. right. You're pulling the veil back. Yes, a bit. Yes, and it, because Dickens was really about class, and and Lenny Bruce was really about you know speaking truth to power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I got that book. I got a hardback first edition of uh, of the, 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 Lenny the Lenny Bruce bit, the Essential Lenny Bruce, and I got it in, in a in a used bookstore in Phoenix. And there was a a brownie's <laughs> bookmark in it, like the, the the little Girl Scout whatever the brownie. Because they, they must
1: have had a book drive, yeah, something. Someone gave them that. <laughs> I
0: I have it. It's right over there. I, I love that thing. I love it. So when when do you realize something is fucking happening? Like when do you re- like what 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 is the thing that goes into your head was it what was the radio station how did you know that things were about to change because punk didn't happen for another five years yeah
1: right? like six or seven years yeah. so do
0: you but you you weren't hip to the Stooges or anything like that yet were you
1: not long after like by seventy three really yeah so you were well, there because be- of Bowie Bowie like Bowie like let you know about everything you know Bowie like he produced that Lou Reed album so then you got to go and grab all that Velvet Underground yeah stuff. he worked with the uh, Iggy on a raw power, which yeah. is like one of the most amazing albums ever. So then you oh, got to yeah. go pull out all the, You know, there's yeah. just. But the thing all that three happened of them. here's the thing that happened on TV. There was yeah. this. Uh, big rock show. Yeah. It was either from Cleveland or Cincinnati or some big outdoor show. Yeah. And Alice Cooper was on it. Yeah. And Grand Funk, whatever. And, and, and Iggy and they're, the Stooges. They're having a little resurgence, Grand Funk. But Iggy and the Stooges were on it and Alice Cooper were on it. Yeah. And they were both so transgressive Yeah, that when I went back to school the next day, I had to like dampen my enthusiasm for that <laughs> because everybody else was like, did you see those sick fags? Really? <clears throat> yes, yes. It, it was like, like you couldn't just go, hey, I love this because it was, it was, sort of like reviled by a lot of people like rolling stone for instance if you can dig up the original review of of the Iggy and the Stooges Funhouse album yeah in rolling stone they just savaged it yeah they 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 felt it had no they had no excuse for existing really yes and <clears throat> the same with black sabbath paranoid
0: really yeah yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. But cuz you do you do write a piece that I read the other day uh, about you know once he, you know Bowie became mainstream that the experience of going to see him was different because the crowds the were crowd now changed. They, they were changed. they were not transgressive.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well the first time I saw Bowie I was probably it was uh maybe 72 w- or something. When Rodney brought him here did no, it was, pro- probably, it was probably like a season afterward. It was it was right after Ziggy Stardust came out. Yeah. It was at the Long Beach Auditorium. I was still in high school. It was
0: after Ziggy's. Because he came. It was, he right, was, it,
1: was, it was promoting Ziggy. This was promoting he was, Ziggy.
0: A, he. I think he came out here like before that, After right after Space Odyssey. He came here and no one really knew who he was.
1: Yeah, and I think he just kind of hung around. I don't, th- I don't think he played any right. shows. Right, no, he
0: didn't. He yeah. didn't. I just read a screenplay about that yeah. period.
1: The first, show, I believe the first show he played was in Santa Monica Civic in 72. I didn't go to that one, but yeah. I had the bootleg of that. But I, when I went to the Bowie show like I, the the show was really 72 yeah at, at Long Beach like the show itself which is beautiful and it really like when he played um there were certain songs where he you know he got down on the stage and he really felt like he was talking to you and this oh, song it you you hang on it's like don't commit suicide Just hang on you know it's like
0: oh for the people who were freaks yeah, yeah yeah well
1: then in the audience like I got out you know I'm going out and like I'm pretty young for the audience I'm yeah. probably in the lower like youngest five percent. I am probably like sixteen. Yeah. Sixteen at this time. Yeah. Fifteen or sixteen. Yeah. But and, and then the audience largely was like like they were like you know, there were sort of drug addicts, <clears throat> sort of like very creative people. Yeah. There was a lot of gays, there yeah. was drag queens, there was, you know, Hollywood like sort of like you know yeah. we Yeah. skeeves. Yeah. Like very skeevy. Yeah. And and then I noticed That I wasn't afraid of any of these people, and I noticed that none of them, when they looked at me, and when they recognized me, when they, when you know, when they, when they viewed me, had any malice toward me. Right. Which was way different than what I was experiencing every day out in West Covina. Yeah. So it it just like I thought, you know, there's this place. It's going to be different. Yeah, these are my people. Yeah, it's going to be different. I don't know if they're going to, you know, I don't know if they're all my people, whatever. But it is a population that I can move among, where. And where judgment
0: gonna, uh, wasn't part of it—that you weren't. Yeah, they're
1: not going to judge me, and then yeah. if they do judge me, they're not going to like beat your. Try ass. to punch me in the face. Yeah, you
0: know? just because they—you're not like them. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: That's an amazing observation. Oh, no, it must was have, a beautiful event. It, it must a, have been an amazing feeling.
1: It was. It was. It was really a pivotal event in my life. Was it? Was a you know a rock concert? It was a David Bowie concert?
0: Right, because like all these different people, and nobody's like you know, hey, you freak.
1: No, nobody was at all. And that was like after and the, so. In the music too, like the, there are some songs. I, On I Ziggy. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the song, but it's like, but he goes, you know, something we sits down like like touch me or I'm with you or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm par- I forget the lyrics. So I'm yeah. paraphrasing, but but I remember like just getting this feeling like you know, not necessarily him. But someone is, you yeah. know, someone is, and it was right. really
0: someone was speaking for everybody yeah, there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I went to see that that Bowie exhibit at, at the Brooklyn Museum, and I got I fucking cried all, the whole way through. Yeah,
1: well, I saw it, I saw it too, and it really was emotional. I, right? Yeah, it's
0: really I, emotional. I can't even understand exactly why. I mean, I didn't have that experience that you had, but you know, when you go into that middle room where they have that thing of him as Ziggy, I can't remember which song it was, and I'm watching him on the monitor, and I'm just like, all of a sudden, I start fucking bawling. That's crazy. It was like, <laughs> you forget how important he was in your life.
1: I was lucky because I saw that in Barcelona. We went on vacation. And well, I, you saw what? I, I saw the, the Bowie thing in Barcelona. You did. But it was great because I, I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. So I'm there and I was able to, like I didn't have to overhear anyone else's experience. I just had my own and then when I start bawling, yeah, was it was like, pure. Well, well, fuck it, man. They 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 don't you know they don't even speak. You know.
0: So the, even the placards were in were in Spanish. So you didn't even. They, have no, to, they had them in different oh, languages. Oh, oh. Yeah, it
1: was in different languages.
0: Oh, that's funny. Yeah. So you you didn't feel then judged then that, there either. No. No. <laughs> well, who no. was going to judge you? I mean, I found that the well, people.
1: The, yeah the people were great, in um,
0: yeah, yeah, like you know you felt like you were like these are you know, people who love that guy, yeah. and then there's always those people I and mean, they're they're like uh, there's too many of them now, and they seem to be shamelessly destroying the world who just you know don't don't understand it,
1: don't understand any of it, don't I understand know. like this sort of need for connection, like, and you the, and, connection is the valuable thing
0: yeah and and you were able to see that like you know at the at the root of it. I mean, because rock and roll, I mean, in and of itself, like, was something different because a lot of those... You know, meatheads and gearheads, and and you know, people, you know, they sort of acclimated to rock and roll pretty good. That yeah. was understandable. Yeah. That that sort of um, that protest, you know, that you know, breaking away from from whatever uh, the Eisenhower fifties was. But for some reason, a lot of them didn't make the jump. No, in well, the there's the
1: violence in the music too. Like like there is actual violence, in, like under my thumb, or sure, like so many, yeah, like, yeah, those are violent beats, you know. So like there's like the. Jockey, whatever. Right. Yeah,
0: right. yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, that's what they are. The, you sort well, of, that's a
1: word that one of the words are use whatever yeah. you know.
0: But you talk a little bit about that in. in I, I think in this, in the new book about you know sort of. When you feel ill-defined or like an outsider in high school, that you you start to accumulate, or at least in, in, you know, inform yourself about what music is going to give you entrance into certain circles, right. you know. And like I remember that very distinctly. That he, you know, like you had the freaks, you know, you had the jocks, you had you know, you had top forty, and then there was a couple weirdos who liked Beef, Heart and Zappa. Yeah. And then when punk started happening when I was in high school, like it didn't get to Albuquerque until like the late 70s like new wave happened in Albuquerque before punk really took right, hold right. cuz i don't know we had to be mainstream first before people went back
1: well it's funny cuz like the, the new wave it's uh like, it was sort of simultaneous with punk. Like, it was like people right. would, would separate them out because maybe it was a little bit like people were calling Nick Lowe New new Wave. Right, you know? right, Whereas right. Nick yeah. Lowe, like, I think he produced the first damn though. He was like there before.
0: He was but, there before, but yeah. But he
1: became New Wave. It was a strange definition, that, that New Wave thing. Well, but, yeah. But this, a lot of the punk, like the hardcore, the more hardcore punk, Yeah. like that was something that like, a lot of the people who were originally were in the LA punk scene, that, that, a lot of them moved out when that happened. The hardcore, yeah, the hardcore came in, and like like people who like like, like let's say suburban lawns, mm-hmm. like suburban lawns were at odds with the hardcore. Oh. And it's, uh, Why? Because
0: they were more,
1: but because the hardcore people didn't like
0: them. Oh, you know, yeah, and
1: they would like you know.
0: So that was sort of a schism where it's sort of the 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 more elegant and and beautiful at, uh, elements of what Bowie was doing. Yeah, sort of became a, that ethereal, new wavy kind of. There was a whole world of of that in
1: a way, but also like if you like like Sid Vicious. You, yeah. like There's a famous photo of Sid Vicious with the David Bowie t-shirt yeah. when he's going to the David Bowie show. Uh, the guy from Joy Division, Ian Curtis, loved David Bowie. Like, yeah, well, that like makes the, sense. Like the David Bowie influence yeah. on punk, I think is really it's impossible to understand. And I it.
0: think I guess I so, like it. What I think Mike Watt, when I talked to him, really explained it. That whatever people call punk rock now, that has become a certain sound. Yeah. whatever it is. That that really wasn't what that's a very that was just a strand yeah, of it. Yeah. I mean it seemed that it, it was it, way more open initially. Right, that's right. That's yeah. what Mike said. It was it was it, it didn't have a sound. Yeah. It was just a, a a realm in which anyone could do whatever they the wanted to do. The same with the look. The yeah. same with the look, and the right. same with
1: the personality that you could bring in. Yeah. And the same with your demographic. So what was it when
0: did you uh, like what what happened? How did punk happen here?
1: The first thing I saw was this, this band called the Screamers. Yeah. And they were did, they did their, their uh, what do you call it, their debut show yeah. at a, at a um, loft or a warehouse whatever for right. a magazine called Slash. Right. And then I was attracted to Slash.
0: How long had that been around at that time? Maybe
1: two issues. Okay. Maybe one or two issues. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, this is like, like, the Sex Pistols didn't have an album out yet. Maybe the Damned had had an album out, yeah. out but I'm not sure. So, yeah. like, there were really no punk albums. Right. There was a the number of singles. Like, the Sex Pistols had had two or three singles. The Damned had singles. The Clash had had maybe two singles. Yeah. And the...
0: Uh, and the Screamers uh, were in a local band.
1: Yes. And then the Ramones maybe had two albums. Uh, you gotta, I would say it started with the Ramones. Yeah. And I, and I have a feeling that, like, a lot of people from England would agree. Like, the Ramones, yeah. whenever they're on a tour, and all of a sudden there was, there was 80 bands. Yeah. Know, and the so I, I guess it started with the Ramones. Yeah. And then here, it was like the the Slash magazine became this sort of a promotional It was like vehicle. the, what was the
0: one in New York called that Legs wrote for? Uh, uh, punk, punk. Punk magazine, yeah. yeah.
1: I have some of those too. Those, yeah, yeah, Those are great. Yeah, so. So Slash was a little later than Punk magazine. Right. Because Punk magazine was coming out in when I was, before I dropped out of college. It was coming out in like the 70s. Early 70s?
0: Oh, that late? Yeah, 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 yeah. They
1: may have even come out in 75, but the, I think the first I saw of it was 76. And, and, and what slash, were there, some
0: of the bands that started to kind of surface right at that time in, in 70s? Los, yeah, in Los Angeles. Uh,
1: the Screamers, The Germs. Yeah. Uh, the Weirdos. Yeah. Uh, the Plugs. Yeah. The band called The Skulls. The Zeros. X, uh, of course. Yeah.
0: Um, Circle Jerks?
1: Circle Jerks were later. Circle Jerks were when Keith Morris got kicked out of or fired from Black Flag. Okay. And like that was a-
0: when Black Flag was one of them?
1: Black Flag was a little later. Black yeah. Flag was actually, you would- like, if you want to go wave, Black Flag was probably the start of the second wave. Okay. And Black Flag is what then, um, uh, I, I would, you know, Black Flag was like the, the spearhead of what became hardcore, and uh, like this giant, massive kind of influx of, to, of uh, younger kids. Yeah. Younger, but you know, like by 17, 15. Yeah, yeah. that age.
0: And they just wanted to burn off some, some they, of that energy. Yeah, they
1: just wanted to bash each other up. and like.
0: But before that, it was a little more arty.
1: Sort of arty, and yeah. you know, like, like if you were like a gay person, did not hide that they were a gay person, yeah. You know, was, and that it, was a new thing, somewhat new, not new in the neighborhood because yeah. it was down in Hollywood, it was, it was uh, you know, right there on Hollywood Boulevard. It was so it was not, you know, the gold yeah. cup was right there. The gold cup, you got like you know, male hustlers, like teenage male hustlers out there. There's, there's 50 or 80 of them, so in the neighborhood, you didn't have 50 to hide. Or
0: 80, See, like I, it know, would I be
1: mob- yeah, it was crazy. It was like,
0: because by the time you moved in, like you when you were in Venice and you were sort of distant from it. You know, like, I, just, I kept picturing you working at that fucking shoe store, and I just yeah. get so over and fucked up. I, can't, <laughs> I just can't imagine, like the amount of drugs that you talk about doing in, that, in the Punk Elegies book, I'm like, I was getting queasy. You know? <laughs> like, you know, just be, like, how are you driving? What is happening? A
1: lot of times I would have someone else drive. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, would, I had this one friend who drove really well wasted and so he yeah. would drive a lot. He was the,
0: the designated driver yeah. was only designated because he could drive well fucked up.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It wasn't like he designated to stay, uh, you know, not to be high. But uh.
0: So when he started writing, the first time you really did writing was for Slash?
1: Uh, probably high school like in junior high. Like junior high is when I first got some kind of uh, like sort of like feedback that made me feel good for writing that. yeah and i wrote some story and the teacher made me read it in front of the class and the class all laughed at the places where i wanted to laugh yeah and they thought i was kind of cool the places they thought i was kind was of was it cool. a
0: weird story did you was that the time where your, your weirdness got celebrated no, it
1: was a story about um trying to play baseball with this kid like a pickup baseball game and, and how my at bat went yeah and it was just oh uh, yeah and then, and then uh it was just like my the my thought process as it was happening and then how it played out as opposed to my thought process.
0: Yeah, I, and I think the Swash Magazine guys. I think I saw them in a documentary recently. Maybe I don't know if it was the Joan Jett documentary. I don't know because she was around too. The Runaways were around yes, too, the, right? Yeah, yeah. And because you write about you know going to a party and she was there. Like I just talked to her. I can't imagine what. Like I just like that that LA, she was
1: so. The word I, I was gonna say rad, but yeah. I, like it's not a word I use. Yeah. But she was she was uh, like an amazing presence. Yeah, she was really something. Yeah. and she was at like the the house where the X had their first show and Black Randy had their first show. Is this guy named David Allen had married this woman in Kitra? Yeah, and her family had a house in Hancock Park, and yeah. so they moved into this house in Hancock Park, and it was the that show was in the living room there. And Joan Jett was at that. I mean, she knew where to go. That she, was
0: X's first show.
1: X's first show and also Black Randy the Metro Squads first show.
0: Wow, and and it was just a packed house full it of- It was just a
1: house and it was in the living room and it was just full of people like 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 Joe and Jet was there, Pleasant was there, uh, Most of X was there. Well, they played, of course. So I've got, I've, I was just trying to picture who was there. Like Billy Zoom still had long hair at that time. Yeah. He had, had hid it under a hat sort of. I remember like someone yanked his hat off so his hair came down. Wow. And then someone else, uh, they had a water bottle, you know, those big yeah. bottle, those yeah. big, uh, what do you call it, water dispenser? Yeah full of, of wine uh-huh. and someone got angry at someone else and picked up the bottle to hit them with the bottle so the, just the wine went guggling off across the whole floor. It was, just smelled like wine? Yeah, it was, I don't know what it smelled like because I was beyond smell at that time. <laughs> and <laughs> you then You remember these little details. I, I remember a little detail here and there. I remember being up front like they had like a little slope in the grass by the uh, sidewalk. Yeah. I remember somehow I, I was prone on that and I couldn't figure out how to get standing up so <laughs> so there was that <laughs> but i remember like you know joan jet being there and, and thinking
0: she's something you know, she's something so so you so you wrote for slash for just a, a little bit and it, it was mostly so you could get into shows for free
1: for, also i thought somehow it would be a, uh, um, a connection to something else yeah and then uh, and then you also like, free records yeah i didn't know what i, I figured like you know, um, maybe I'd be going around the war for Esquire or, or something. Oh, really, yeah. so you had
0: the idea. You're I had like, the idea yeah. that this is- Hunter going, S. Thompson? Yeah,
1: yeah. this is gonna make me really, you know,
0: shine. And the drugs you guys were doing, like, that, I mean, I know X was into speed, right?
1: Probably, I don't yeah. know, I'm not gonna speak for them. On oh, all right, <laughs> but I mean,
0: like, what was the scene doing? I mean, it's, uh, it was sort of pre-dope, right? Yeah, so
1: it started out with speed and pretty quickly went to dope. Oh, yeah? Yeah, which is, I believe, what, what happens to most scenes. Like, it starts out, sort of, like, a lot of alcohol. Yeah. A lot of alcohol. right and then pills like Valium some Quailu's of course oh yeah and then uh, meth yeah. black beauties everybody yeah. loved a black beauty yeah and then there was green ones that were benzene. so, so like time release yellow
0: jackets white crosses
1: well white crosses that were kind of like uh, counterfeit they were sort of yeah. backyard made pills were. Right. but there you know a lot of pharmaceuticals and then then uh and then uh, needles came in, and yeah. so what you'd want was dope. But but dope was very expensive then.
0: In the late seventies.
1: Yeah, and in Los Angeles at least it
0: wasn't the black dope yet. It was. It just was like... sort
1: of like brownie, oh, blackie, yeah. but it would be twenty five dollars a bag, and, yeah. and then, like in New York at that time, I think it was five or ten. Yeah. Know? So it was really expensive, and the uh, usually the potency wasn't what you were hoping it would be. Yeah. And this wouldn't just be for novices. This would be all around the city. You know. Oh right so, right.
0: So it was just everywhere. Yeah, well, so the first wave. Well, well that's, of it dope. wasn't
1: everywhere. It was like it was, you had to know someone. You had to oh. go to their house. Uh, like like later on, like in the early eighties, like all this the tar? Had, yeah, all this in the tar, and you could buy it on the street, and it was right. five bucks.
0: Right. Yeah. So
1: the price went down from twenty five dollars to five dollars, and you, you could. And it everybody was It was a drive through. It was a drive through or walk through. Yeah. Everybody Lu- could die. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everybody could die. Yeah. Luckily, by then, like I was gone. I was. You were out. I, I think I was out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So. When when There was one bit, and I think it's punk elegies, where you go to the, you see the, the jams for a show, mm-hmm. and John Cougar opened, yeah Johnny Cougar. Johnny Cougar at the time. And there was just this, like, the guys from the Slash Magazine were like, this guy's fucking nothing. They just,
1: they just railed. they took him up, but they deconstructed him. They deconstructed right. him there, you know, like under, you know.
0: Well, that's the other interesting thing, is that, like, by the time you get to that apartment building, what was it called? The Canterbury Arms. The Canterbury Arms. Like, I mean, the way that, like, L.A. was situated with, like, because, like, I remember, you know, hearing, I kind of have vague memories of New York in the 70s. -hmm. But, like, I, you know, these different pockets of L.A. that were just chaos, man. They were just sort of, like, sexual chaos and drug chaos.
1: It was, well, it was a lot, that area was a lot like um, Times Square. Like, 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 Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. Hollywood Boulevard around Hollywood and Cherokee. Right, and there's a number of blocks there where all the bars were dangerous. Really, yeah. Like looking back, like in retrospect, right. Like like we were out of our league everywhere we went. We didn't right. Really, didn't really realize it, you know. Like out of my depth almost yeah. everywhere I went, but was so full of myself that didn't really realize. Well, that's
0: it. part of what LA is. You yeah. got you know you got to yeah. bring yourself to the table.
1: Well, I went to school in San Francisco for a year or two. Yeah. Year. And, uh, like, I would go downtown and get really wasted. And, and again, like, like in retrospect, I realized, like, how much danger I was putting myself in. Right. Because I would go into bars or... or, In the Mission? Oh, yeah, all over. Yeah. Or or up around North Beach, uh, Tenderloin. And I would go into alleyways, I would go into bars, and I would be provocative to people. I'd be confrontational to people. And like these are people like looking back. These are actual like prison people. You know, these, sure. these are people who actually like. Well, that's what would, I, like, would, would smash someone's head in for the. You know. Yeah, risk.
0: that's one thing I realized when I got sober, and I tell people is that like it's not you know it, it's not just you don't just have to worry about dying from the drugs or alcohol. It's it's the you exponentially increase your possibilities of getting fucked some other way. Yeah. Whether it be being a car or by another human, yeah. When you're in the yeah. circle of yeah. those things,
1: because your behavior, you don't know what the you don't yeah, know and what, you don't know who you're buying yeah. from, you don't yeah. know what you're walking yeah. into, you don't know like you know, and you
0: do it. Yeah, you do it. All of a sudden, you're you're in a hotel room with pirates and you know yeah. some guy with a gun, and you're like, no, right, you're like, can you're, I like go? you're
1: like, I should light this newspaper on fire, and then all of a sudden the newspaper's on fire, and you <laughs> how did the newspaper get on fire? And they're asking you. you, you know, it's like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Who who tore the mailbox out of the wall? How how did the mailbox get torn out of the wall? <laughs> <laughs> you know they're all looking at you like yeah but it wasn't just me like like the like uh that area like we were all kind of over our heads you know well that it seemed we, like we a, didn't really realize uh, it somewhat of a lawless area somewhat right. of a lawless stretch of blocks
0: and what was it how was it and what was the sunset strip like at that point
1: the sunset uh was a little more i guess you could say upscale yeah. like there was a little more control right and then there were so many hookers on the sunset strip it was in and, and that continued for a few years like there was a kind of a a, what do you call it a a a squat that opened up next to where carlos and charlie's was and i don't know which is there now but like the mau maus moved in there and a couple of other bands but there were so many girls going back and forth that they would always be coming up and they would be getting higher with us and then go back out but it was like literally at least 50 to 80 yeah like girls if in a like a seven block route Crazy. It was really crazy, and then, then uh, I think it became alcohol escort. I think the mo- uh, this is just s- pure speculation. Yeah. But like the there's an organized effort. Yeah. To uh, to consolidate where the money came in, and so right. they all everybody became alcohol, and they were not seen on the in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't think it was a, a police. I don't think the police managed to make that happen. I think it was. The, the, a, diff, a different, organized. Sure, covenant. sure,
0: yeah. The Catholics. Yeah, the Catholics <laughs> did it. Yeah,
1: it was Catholic discipline. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. And what um, wh- what year did you write for Hustler?
1: Hustler, I was at, I was a hustler from eighty three to two thousand and two. Were you sober,
0: uh, Hustler?
1: After one year. Yeah. First year, no. Then after that, like like I was, yeah, sober. Eighty three to what? Ninety two. To no two thousand and two. It's a long time. Yeah, it was almost twenty years. Pretty much like, like I. I like my, when I wrote a book about it, I said twenty years at because actually the interview process started. If I judge, if I count from the interview process to when I got fired, it was twenty years. So. Now, you
0: know, when you look back on it, especially living in the culture we live in now, and and what you know, Hustler was, and then what he, what Flint sought to represent in terms of, you know, constitutionality and, yeah. and freedom to express whatever, and and then sort of like pushing the the limits of, of taste on all levels. I mean, when you were working there, were you aware of that? I mean, was that part of the thing that you wanted to do?
1: Yeah, it was part of the whole appeal. Yeah. Was, you know, you're going to... Push the edge? You're going to be on the front lines. It was very very uh, anti-celebrity. Yeah. It was very, like, anti-cult of celebrity. It was very uh, sort of... Uh, Anarchy—it wasn't really anarchist, but it was—it was really t- kind of holding any any political per- any political power to, to answer, like holding them accountable. Yeah, and then it was uh, using the harshest terms available to you when you wanted to, you know. And then also there was like, uh, like with the photo sets, like I met there, there was, it was interacting with different kinds of cre- creative people, that was really kind of amazing to me particularly a lot of illustrators like I, I met a lot of the illustrators a lot of people used to illustrate like let's say four or five were some of the original San Francisco underground comic book guys
0: I didn't read it a lot but I mean when I was a kid and you like Hustler was like sort of like that was the real deal they, they were holding them open
1: yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. and then the that, lights went a- right on there and then the, I think sometimes like the the color was sort of
0: Yeah, like it was insane. And then the
1: the paper, that that paper was a higher quality paper. Right, yeah, it was shiny. It was glossy paper. And then the color separations were done in Europe. By the same people who did color separations for like the top jewelry companies, so, uh-huh. so it's like people who needed like this, this gem to really show through and all its facets. Yeah, like want, that's yeah, who was doing the color separation for the Hustler. So, the, so
0: the labia and the and the clit could like just sparkle.
1: Yeah, not just that, but they would be delineated from one another, and you'd yeah. have this depth of field. Yeah, and yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Like, it was a lot really, of detail. There was a lot of there was a standard of, of workmanship
0: at Hustler.
1: Yeah, that that surprised a lot of people. And you were mostly writing columns. No, I edited the whole, I, I was running the thing. I started out as a proofreader, and then I was writing columns, and then I was writing uh, a lot of porn reviews. And then I became, uh, what do you call it, like I, like the articles editor? So that, like the feature articles, I was editing those and you know, recruiting writers and stuff. And then I got my own magazine, and then I jumped to the top magazine, and then I kind of like... Did a little move, and I got control of like all the magazines. Were you there?
0: You you came in after Flint was shot, though.
1: Yes, he was already in the, in the wheelchair.
0: But I, you had a pretty good relationship with him.
1: For, yeah, for a long time. Yeah, like he was at my wedding, I was at his wedding. I think he really loved me because uh, we did this thing during the Clinton impeachment, where we got the the uh, sp- speaker-elect of the House of Representatives to resign yeah. from Congress on the same day Clinton was impeached. And so like the New York Times and the Washington Post would say Clinton impeached, Livingston resigns. And what's, you know, what why that matters is because like the House of Representatives is the prosecutors in the impeachment trial. Right. The Senate's the jury. So we had the lead prosecutor resign on the same day that Clinton was. Uh, how did
0: Hussler do that again? We
1: we hired we, we put out an ad saying we want to know anyone that's fucking someone who's in the government. And people came to us with various stuff. And someone came to us with a name yeah. and they said, call this, call, it was a, an elected official came to yeah. us with a name and said, yeah. call this name. This is Livingston's girlfriend. Right. And, and he's he, married, he has kids. So we called the name and she hung up on us. Yeah. And then uh, the Hill, the, 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 yeah. the publication of Capitol Hill, yeah. they called me and they said, we hear you have something on Livingston. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, the, the, um, all the financial arrangements are in place and so I, I can't really speak about it openly right now. Uh-huh. And he goes, we're going with it. Wow. And and then he went, and and I went, I go, I wonder if he's he's obviously going to ask Livingston about it. And I'm like, what if if Livingston does a preemptive resignation? Because this guy named Dan Burton, also Republican, like a story was coming out in him in Vanity Fair, and he preemptively confessed. Did not not resign, but preemptively confessed. Right. And then within an hour, Livingston had confessed that he'd had this affair, but he wasn't going to resign. Yeah. And he wasn't going to give up his speakership. Yeah. But then, like, a news crew came to interview me, and they go, what do you have on Livingston? And I did the same thing, you know, the uh, non-disclosure agreements are still in place, blah, blah, blah. You
0: didn't have anything, <clears throat> though, but a hang-up.
1: I had a hang-up. Yeah. And he goes, well, we hear that he's having sex with a lobbyist while pushing uh, that lobby's agenda on the on House of on the yeah. Representatives floor. Like, that's interesting. So then they, they mic me up, and they go, so what do you have on Livingston? And I said, we were aggressively pursuing indications that he's having sex with a lobbyist. Well, and then within an hour, he resigned.
0: Because it was true?
1: Yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. Because yeah. when the book So that came was out, a hustler victory. That was probably our biggest victory, <laughs> I think. And, and then here's what happened. Here's, beyond that, like Livingston's wife, because it was around Christmas, right? Yeah. Livingston's wife calls Larry directly yeah. and says, you know, Bob has quit. You know, you've won. Please don't give out what happened, please. And so Larry's able to say, you know, out of the goodness of my heart, I'm not going to disclose the details.
0: Yeah, and he didn't have he it. He
1: didn't have it. So he got to go because he's an amazing <laughs> poker player. He got to go this whole bluff. And so then beyond that, like anything we hinted that we had, yeah, they had to believe we had it.
0: Oh wow. So
1: it was it really kind of like, like we feel like I don't know. If, I'm, I'm speaking for for he's yes, me still, and my like, Larry's selves. around. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. You oh, still talk to him? No, you want no. There's there's a problem. Mm. There's a problem, because I like in the in the punk in the excuse me the prisoner of X book. Yeah. Like it's he I, I I performed at a roast of Larry. Yeah. That he asked me to perform yeah. at. He insisted I perform at. Yeah. And then I got fired from there, and I haven't really talked to him since then.
0: That's too bad.
1: Yeah, he didn't he his it didn't go over this as well.
0: What you you, you busted his balls too hard?
1: Well, I think that what did it because I I did a bunch of stuff about him being cheap. Yeah, and he would love that. Yeah. But then I I switched into this thing where I said that in fact, you know he he has a he has a good game. He plays a good game. Yeah. But in fact, he's the most pussy but man I've ever met. Uh oh And then I went on some stuff about that and his wife. I think it really offended his wife. Oh, really? Yeah, because she stopped. Call- she never called me again. She used to call me, you know, three or four times a week about various things around the office. And no, and, like, oh, and that was mm, it. That was it. So,
0: he got her mad at you.
1: Yeah, kind of like, and then I—I I don't think she's ever coming back. Oh, you wow! Know? She's never coming back to the Alan McDonough fan club. Oh, wow! Well. What are you gonna do? I just I, move. You try to move on, and you just like you just like lay down every once in a while. And- Let me ask you a question
0: about about that. Uh, like, you know, because it, it, I can I, One thing I can't—that fascinates me—I can't quite get out of my mind was that there was some sort of like, and and, and I think it is a, a hinge to, you know, what's happened culturally. Uh, in terms of like the the complete kind of and this is not a moral judgment, but but in the 80s, there was a concerted effort on behalf of Christians and conservatives to to stifle porn. Yeah. And then at some point, it's like no one talks about it at all anymore. And it's fucking everywhere. Like it, there is no like I never hear any kind of like, you know, right wing whack job ever. No one says anything about porn at all, and it's like crack. It's like everywhere, yeah. and it's like you know. I'm not again. It's not a moral judgment, but I mean, I I just don't know how they change their tune. I guess what because it becomes impossible. I think it's because it serves a purpose. Now
1: it does serve a purpose. It's you know because otherwise these people who use they would be getting in relationships and they'd be having kids Uh and you'd have these unhappy families oh you You think that's the point well that's one point it really is I think it's like
0: a narcotic I think it's a narcotic effect I think it's like it's something that, that completely isolates people. I, I mean, again, it's not like I have no problem yeah. with porn. I know people in porn. But but it's like the fact that, like, it's, you know, I used to do a joke about it. Like, some computers come with porn already on yeah. them. It. But here's
1: the thing. Like, these people who are isolated, they may be better off. We may be better off with them isolated. Like, rather than being out in the dating Maybe. pool
0: and in the, you know. I just think it's interesting that it, it diminished as a moral crusade. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, it kind of what happened. One of the things that happened. Is uh, there was a like a like a coalition or a, a yeah. between like the far right and then uh, like like feminists? Yeah, there was a, there was this, It was crazy because these there would be these bills and in, in passed like in Minnesota or wherever, uh-huh. and it would be like like certain feminists like really pushing it like in conjunction with some really far right person. But
0: which what was it about?
1: About porn. Oh. About 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 how, you know, the harms the the harms of porn and and just the you know how it is towards society that it needs to be So some feminists uh,
0: were at, on that page and then there was a, oh, another, yeah, yeah, yeah. another no, faction of feminists that that wanted to appropriate it and be, you know, yeah, sexual yeah, empowerment yeah, yeah, through yeah, porn. Yeah.
1: I feel like I have some memory of Trump saying something negative about porn when he was Back in the election,
0: I don't know. I, he seems like a complete. Uh, he seems like he'd be jerking
1: off all the time. Oh
0: yeah, no, I think he oh, was. Yeah. I, yeah. I also heard that he was upset that he couldn't watch porn in the White House. I mean, I don't know what's real, what isn't.
1: Well, then uh, the, that, I, that's I believe that everything. Be the we, point. I believe everything we've just said. I believe yeah. that he would attack porn and then still be like jerking off. Yeah. On, the,
0: on Air Force One. That's his genius. The yeah. duplicitous <laughs> bullshit element. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, the fact is, like people don't realize he has a genius. Like they, they, they you know, because he has, because he's such a adult in in many ways or boorish or whatever
0: well he you know he's an equivocator so like everything's slippery nothing is true and you know w- the people that it sticks with are are all worked up emotionally and they're making choices to uh, pick and choose the worst of what he's putting out yeah. there. And then to other people, he just discredits it or he says it's not real or I don't know or whatever, but he knows that the 35% of the fucking angry, scary people are like, you know, we know what he wants. And
1: in the meantime, he's dismantling the government.
0: Totally dismantling yeah. the government yeah. and trying to protect his own ass.
1: Yeah, well, trying to extend his... his, his uh, Business? His, his duration yeah. is his term. Like, yeah. I, 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 someone told me that it's they... It's
0: hard to... Figure out what
1: exactly he's trying to yeah, do. Yeah, but someone who, who had worked with him, mm-hmm. a, a comedian who had worked with him, with some of his like timing and shit. He like this. This person's take was that Trump is not. Sat, he's not thinking this is an eight-year job.
0: Oh, you talking about I, Jeff Ross? I might be. Yeah, I might yeah. be. No, I uh, talked to him about uh, it. Yeah. Yeah, he says he's not going anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I believe that that, like, I, like that was something that I started to suspect during the election when I first started to think that he could win. He's never going like, like, to get He's rid not him. thinking that, that he's going to have a two-term or a one-term. Like, well, no, because, and, and also beyond. the thing
0: is, is that, like, he, he, is that it, it's the only way he can protect himself now. Yeah. Because as soon as yeah. he's out of that job, <laughs> you know, it's just all going to come crumbling down. Maybe. And what do you mean? Maybe that you know the what? state of New York is fucking. You know they've everyone's got a case on the motherfucker, yeah. and the only way he can stay protected is if he keeps his fucking job. And we're all in trouble because of it. we're all in
1: trouble. We're all in trouble. That's so
0: the new book. Did you uh, did you get some uh, resolve
1: around death you know, in writing it? I think I did. Yeah. 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 You know, also, it, it kind of caps off my whole time in memoir, I believe, because I have like the uh, you know the punk rock one. I have, the and then mm-hmm. moving on through the hustler. And then this kind of post hustler in the, you know, the digital world working in, and, and just how that went and then being dead. So, like, I, I feel like unless I, like, come up with something like I cure polio or again or, or whatever, like, I don't, I don't need to write another, another memoir. So, so, so what I'm, do you do to make ends meet? It's a tough, it's a tough, uh-huh. it's a tough road right now. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like mooching. I, I do a lot of mooching. I yeah. mooch here and there. But I uh you know I, I, I'm writing I this different kind of scam here and there not a scam but you yeah know like like uh, <clears throat> trying to you know, put together like proposals a lot of proposals a lot of spec a lot yeah. of spec work yeah and then uh, like I wrote another book I have a book that is pure fiction of short stories called scary parts oh great so is that uh then I'm always you know I'm always looking for some kind of job
0: yeah but, how's marriage going
1: but, you know, marriage is something that's, it's a, it's uh it, my wife would probably li- listen to this, Okay. But, but we did this, I talked to, I had a conversation with her recently about it. Like marriage is not for the faint hearted. Yeah. It's a tough grow. <laughs> you know, marriage, <laughs> like you think, like people say, okay, you're going to have to compromise Yeah. and you think, oh, I'm going to have to negotiate better. Yeah. Right.
0: right. But no, you're yeah. going to
1: have to actually compromise. Yeah. And so it's, it's
0: suck it up uh,
1: yeah yeah and, and then but not just suck it because you have to be able to compromise and then still go it's like we were talking about earlier where we're realizing that death is real you know right like you have to be able to like still go through and not just be going through the motions and actually somehow be present and be a contributor and and you know and and uh like recognize the other person yeah what they're giving to you and, and so well i think that yeah
0: right exactly and that and that heartbreak is always present yeah yeah it, Always. Yeah. That that it seems to me that in, in this realizations that I'm just having now, I've been married twice. I've been with someone a long time and you don't have kids either. No. You you do realize obviously that in ha- having read the stuff, like you've been through a lot of relationships and all relationships eventually hit a wall of some kind right. to where you have to be tolerant. You know, there's no, there's no ethereal kind of perfect thing.
1: There's things you have to wait out.
0: Right, you wait out, and also things that, you you know, that like, you know, maybe, you know, whatever you're upset about or whatever you're not getting, maybe it's okay you don't get that.
1: Yeah. That's the compromise. (laughs) Right. That's when you're compromised. Right. But I've I've been with, we've been married for 22 years. So Mm -hmm. it's like the wall, there's been more than one wall. You know, you've been hitting the walls, and you realize, like, I, I don't and you're know.
0: sober too, so at least you have a language to process some stuff
1: it helps a lot i, I mean bet. the behavior would be so much worse i mean the behavior would the behavior would have nullified the marriage if I was drinking or
0: what or, made you get sober?
1: I had a suicide attempt in a car oh and then uh
0: that,
1: <laughs> and then I had like this this like i had this hallucination afterward where i I thought that that because I could total four cars with this one shot. And I saw dead bodies in these other cars and everything, and I, I just had this hallucination. Were there
0: people in the cars?
1: No, actually, they were not there. And
0: you tried to kill yourself driving into cars? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Why that way?
1: Because it was available to me at the moment when I had the impulse. I was in the car.
0: <sighs> and you were high?
1: I, I was a little high, yeah. It was 0. .24 or something like that.
0: But it was intentional?
1: Oh, yeah. No, I, I, was, I, was, I was talking while well, I did it. Uh-huh. I was talking. It was like... I, I, I had this realization earlier on that I ruined my life, that because of my drinking, or whatever, and you know yeah. I had chances, and now they weren't ever going to be happening. Again. Well, like but
0: you like in reading the books, I mean, you know, you you, you you there was dope, there was speed, there was angel dust, there was I mean, you did a lot of alcohol
1: and a lot booze. Of alcohol. That
0: seemed to be the first yeah. love, and right? a lot of
1: blows to the head.
0: Oh yeah, a lot from of falling down,
1: getting hit. Yeah, I'm <laughs> running into shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah. so so
1: I'm in the car. I'm coming from party, whatever. I'm going on uh, Franklin West. Toward the you know Ivar, there's a little hill, and you come down to Ivar. Oh yeah. And I had this epiphany. I realized that that I hadn't ruined my life. That God had ruined my life. Ah. And I hadn't had a thought of God I don't know how long And, and I haven't really had This direct of thought since yeah. But I but I, but I thought You know You motherfucker You yeah. know I had so much going for me You fucked me up okay. You motherfucker You fucked with the wrong person Yeah And then I decided I'm going to come And spit in your face And then I took my car And I drove it into all these cars
0: So it was uh, It was sort of A, a dark white light uh, moment It was a lamentation
1: right? It was a very You know So la- you
0: were going to die Because in that moment You believed in God And you were going to show him
1: Yeah I was going to I was going go to go face. tell him off. <laughs> <laughs> you you ruined it. You ruined it for me. And then, you know, then yeah. I had this hallucination that all these people were dead. Oh. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, what have I fucking done? And then when the cops were able to convince me that I was the only human involved, although they didn't really th- consider me human at that point. Yeah. And I just felt I had this kind of like, you know, elation in a way.
0: Were you busted up?
1: No, no, not at all. <laughs> my <laughs> car was bent. My car was bent in a V. Uh.
0: You, but didn't, I, I, you didn't it succeed was a at all. No,
1: I didn't succeed at all. But the police, like, I got stitches from the police because yeah. they, they just beat the shit out of me. Because I guess my, I was talking. I thought I was Uh-oh. dead, but I was still, I was I was the talking dead. You know, uh, and uh, I, yeah. I, I didn't, they didn't like what they were hearing. So, oh, so they'd be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's, th- this voice came to me and said, I'm going to get help. And then uh, <laughs> I didn't was... even know help existed. But, but how, that's, old,
0: how long ago was that? How long has it been?
1: It's, yeah, it was like uh, 34 years in the end of May. Wow. So I was 28. That's amazing. It was the, it was the pivotal point of my life, really. That and the Bowie concert, those two things. But but, yeah. but this even more. It yeah. Even more because I was, you know, it was a d- kind of a depre- desperate, kind of like dragging through the days that was going on before that. You know?
0: Well, how do you like? Because I mean, you, there's still. It seems like there's still some of that, you know, in, in the new book, even that this idea that. Because, like, I, I've reckoned with that myself that, it, that it's, nothing's ever going to make me feel like I, I did it. But I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing success to a degree that I, I didn't think would ever be possible, so a little of that is diminished. But it never. there's always something, if you're given to that way of thinking, you're always going to find something to, to exacerbate it.
1: Yeah, something's always wrong. Right. Even though nothing's really wrong. But, how do you deal, how some, do you
0: do that? How do you deal with that day that
1: by like, day? I mean, it's like it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing struggle. It it really is. But that's another thing. Like when someone writes a book and it's a drug memoir, and at the end they have this this uh, redemption, like the whole redemption cycle. And yeah. Like I I, I don't.
0: You I, didn't do that. This isn't no, a drug memoir. This no. is like I think this is a a meditation on mortality. Yeah.
1: But right. but the punk book, like there's a lot of drugs. Yeah. In book, but it but it doesn't end with me getting, you know, this 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 white light experience and getting sober and now I'm, you know, on a higher level. Because it's, I feel like I'm still in the weeds to some extent. And i and I kind of reconcile the fact that I'm gonna be in the weeds to some yeah. extent. You know, like I have an unmanageable inner life. Yeah. And that's the problem. My emotions and my intellect, like they tell each other things and they they validate it. Like 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 yeah. uh, someone looks at me away. I don't even know. It hurts my feelings in a way, or, or, or whatever. You know, oh, that's the worst. I predict it, and then my intellect says, you know, you're completely right. You're the completely pro- right, yeah. Alan. You're completely like everybody. You know, everybody is. You know, and then this the, is, it, you're locked out. You're locked out right people are against but, you but most of the time they're not even thinking about you no it's, it's like it's a complete misperception it's a com- projection yeah yeah
0: yeah it's a lie it's, it's lying to myself well it's just exactly what you did in the car it's like you know at some point at a pivotal like you decided in some weird drunken state that you were going to blame god instead of yourself yeah and that and that's what that you know our brains do it's sort of like those people are thinking this and it's like we're the ones thinking yeah. it
1: yeah but I always want this. I always want this excuse to think that I'm unlovable. I heard yeah. this someone. Someone else said this. Oh, yeah. That I this excuse that I'm unlovable and that I won't be taken care of.
0: Right. Well, that's, and, yeah.
1: And it's probably not true. I mean, no, I'm not certain. Not no, certain yet. I Ch- like... the jury's out. But I'm going to war. I'm going to act as though, in fact, <laughs> you are lovable in some way. And you will some be odd way, ca- You will be taken care of. Maybe not exactly what I want, but you know, <laughs> more or less. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the best we can do man yeah yeah it's good talking to you man.
1: Thank you very much for having
0: me yeah buddy That was Alan McDonald. His new book is called Now that I'm Gone a Memoir Beyond Recall available wherever you get books And now I'm gonna play just one I'm gonna it took me forever to get through these three changes in this riff that I played through the Echoplex, the old Fender amp, and the reissue Gibson Gold Top. It took me a lot of time to do it. And it's not perfect, it's still me. Are any of us perfect? Let me just play this thing.